Wasn't that a beautiful song Jenny gave to us today? Can I ask the question this morning, have you met Him? Can you say back to that time when you met Jesus Christ personally as your Lord and Savior? Took Him into your heart and you know the, the day and the time that you accepted Him? If you can't, then we pray that after the meeting today, maybe, is the day that you can say, I was introduced to Jesus Christ and I met Him as my Savior and He changed my life, took away my yesterdays, gave me a brand new today and a brand new tomorrow and forever. Shall we look to the Lord in prayer and ask the Lord to help us this morning? Lord, we come to You as expecting You to bless us by Your Holy Spirit, to feed us, to teach us, to nourish us in Your Word. We pray that Your Holy Spirit would take over, Lord, and, and bring forth the words that You want to be said today. Please hide me behind the cross and please help me, Lord, to just share in love the message that you have put on my heart. And I just commit this time to you and ask that you'll lead us now. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Someone once said that a man or a woman can live about 40 days without food, about three days without water, and about eight minutes without air, but only one second without hope. Isn't that true? Only one second without hope. Before we had our Easter service, and I was writing the bulletin last month on the resurrection, it came to me that the basis of the resurrection is a resurrection of hope. Because Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, He brought hope to our lives. Not only for now, but for eternity. And I've been thinking about this subject ever, ever since. And Adel spoke last week on peace. The peace that we have through the resurrection of Christ that He gave to His disciples and He gives to us as well who know Christ. And really, they go together so well. Peace and hope. Blessings that we have through what Christ has done for us on the cross and through His glorious resurrection. You know, we're looking into a world today that has lost its hope. It really has. It's a hopeless world. You put on the television, you put on the radio, you open the newspaper, read a magazine, bad news, wars... SARS, all kinds of tragic events happening every day. Jesus Christ is our hope. He's our only hope. If you're putting your hope on the stock market, forget it. It's going to go up and it's going to go down. If you're putting your hope on your circumstances, again, it's like a roller coaster sometimes. Some days we have good days, we feel good, everything's good. Other days we have bad days and everything is bad. But when you have Christ as your Savior, you're built on the solid rock of Christ. You're built on the hope of Him. So no matter what you or I may go through in our personal lives, we can rejoice in that hope. And it's a tremendous hope. In 1 Corinthians 13, 13, the Apostle Paul rejoiced in, in God's love throughout that chapter. And he said, And now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. And you always ask yourself, well, why is the greatest of those three in that trilogy love? And the reason is, is because when you get to heaven, you're not going to need faith anymore and you're not going to need hope anymore. You're going to be in the presence of God forever and ever. But that love will be with us for all eternity. So love is that special ingredient needed in all of our lives. But right now, where we live in the year 2003, we need His hope. We need His hope from the moment we open our eyes in the morning to the moment we close them at night because all around us is hopelessness and gloom. We need His hope to build our lives upon. And I thought of some current events that recently ministered to my heart about... They really brought thrill to my heart. 
It showed how hope was almost lost, almost gone, almost given up on. And then great miracles happened. Think about those miners that were trapped underground for as long as they were. Their families were waiting. They were hoping that they'd be rescued, that there would be enough time to get them out. And then the drill bit broke. And then they were discouraged and they lost hope again and it was just a battle. Finally, they rescued them and brought them up. And it was a miracle for the whole nation and we were so thrilled. And then I think about that young girl, Elizabeth Smart. She had been gone and missing for month after month after month. And they say when a child is kidnapped or anybody is kidnapped, the longer they're missing and, and gone, the harder it is to, to, to get them back alive. Normally, if they do find them, they're not alive. But this girl was, was found not far from where she was living. And they brought her back and there was such joy for the whole smart family and the whole city back there in Salt Lake City and the whole state. And the whole nation rejoiced that again, they had almost lost hope, but then a great thing happened. And then just recently, I was so thrilled to hear that our POWs were rescued over in Iraq. I mean, especially Jessica Lynch. I mean, the poor girl went through horrible torture and everything. And then they went in and they rescued her and brought her out. And then later on, we had some more of our POWs that were set free. And sometimes when you're going through something and you're waiting on the Lord and it seems like you're at the end of your rope, hope is almost gone. Don't give up your hope because God is with us and he is doing great things in our lives and he is going to do what he says he will do. And you know, peace and hope, like I said, they go together because if you have the peace of God in your life, you can rest on that hope. And if you have your hope set firmly in Christ, you can enjoy the sweet peace that comes from knowing you're in God's will. Let's turn this morning and read a few verses from Hebrews chapter 6 this morning. Hebrews chapter 6. If you remember on the bulletin, it's, that passage is quoted too. And Hebrews 6, we'll read verses 13 through 20. Hebrews chapter 6, beginning at verse 13. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Verse 13 says, For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men indeed swear by the greater, an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. Thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath. That by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. May God bless the reading of his word. The three points on hope that I'd like to share with you today is, first of all, the hope that leads to salvation. That's the key hope that each person needs to have. Secondly, is the hope that leads to solace or to comfort that we so need in our lives today. And finally, the hope that leads to strength to carry on in our lives and ministry for the Lord. 
You know, as you read the New Testament, you'll find the word hope is found some 69 times in the New Testament books, in the 27 books. And what it means in the New Testament is this. It means a confident expectation. Confident expectation. And it means that when God says something and He promises something, it's as good as it's already done. And what He says He will do, He will do. It's like that little expression that is so beautiful. It says, God said it, and I believe it, and that settles it for me. I don't need to hear any other thing. No argument. God said it, and I believe it. And yet, the world has a different concept of hope altogether. This is what the world says. The world says, I hope it will happen. What do they mean? I want it to happen. I think it will happen. Odds are it will happen. I even expect it to happen. But God says, it will happen. That's the difference. Hope in this world is always iffy. It's always based on the word if. If it happens. If that happens. But with God, it is based on the solid rock of His promises. It will happen. And we can rejoice in that kind of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, the key is to know Christ as your Savior and then you have hope. You know, a lot of times you can be in life and you can be happy and things can be going along pretty good. And then what God does is He starts to get your attention by allowing certain things to happen in your life that maybe didn't happen before. Maybe He allows something to happen at work or in the family or in the neighborhood or some kind of maybe major catastrophe to get our attention and to bring us to Himself. And when we come to Him that way, we can rejoice in the hope that we have in Christ. Paul said in Romans 5.5, and he was no stranger to adversity, he says, Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Paul had a hope. Before, he had no hope. When he was on the road to Damascus, he was unsaved. He was called Saul of Tarsus. He was persecuting the Christians. He had no hope. And yet, the Lord knocked him literally off his high horse, down to the ground, blinded him, brought him to the realization that he was a sinner and that he needed him. And then he saved him wonderfully. And he took him from hopelessness to hope. In a very short time. And when you get saved and you give your life to Christ, He gives you hope right then. He gives you salvation right then. He gives you peace right then. He gives you all the blessings of heaven right then. He doesn't just say, well, I'll give you one now. And then if you're good, if you do everything right, I'll give you another blessing and another blessing. Like you're feeding the ducks out at the pond when we have the picnics and the little kids, they throw one little crumb of bread. They see the little duck eats that. And he throws another one out there. No, that's not how God works. He gives according to His riches and glory to us. He gives us the blessing of salvation. And He gives us that glorious hope. And you know, when Paul went through so many things in his life, I mean, if anybody was going to lose hope, it would have been him. I mean, he was stoned to death. He was literally dead and the Lord raised him up. He went through beatings and mockings and scourgings and imprisonments and all these things. And one day he was even on a ship with 275 other people and they were heading to Rome and it hit a tremendous tempest, a storm at sea. And this storm was no ordinary storm. It was so bad that they, it got so dark and there was so much wind and things, they couldn't even see the light at day and they couldn't see the stars at night. That's how bad it was. And Paul even says 
there he says, Now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. Now here's the Apostle Paul. He's looking around at all these people that are fearing for their lives. They said, we're going to die. We might as well say our wills right now because we're going to die. And Paul is trying to comfort the people. He says, don't give up. Don't give up. He even told the captain, tell the people, God has revealed to me, don't get off the ship. Don't try to escape from the ship. We're all going to be saved. Because hope had not been lost for the Apostle Paul because he had his hope in Christ. And that illustrates the fact that when you're, when you're a sinner and you don't know Christ, if you're clinging to even one shred of hope in yourself of being saved, one shred of hope that maybe I can work my way to heaven, maybe I can do enough to be saved, maybe I can please God enough, and you're holding on to that one thing, what you have to do is you have to abandon all hope in yourself. And then turn to Christ who gives you all hope in Him. And so that's the difference. They say when a person is drowning, you don't want to go out right away and try to save them because what happens is they're floundering, they're flailing their arms and legs, they're scared, they're panicking, and they can take you down with them. So you go out, you get a little bit close, but you, you calm them and you wait till they have begun to sink down, then you rescue them. Once they give up all hope of themselves saving themselves, they start to sink and that's when Jesus Christ raises us up. He waits until we've given up all hope in ourselves and then He raises us up to everlasting life. That's the blessing of the hope that we have in Christ. It's a hope that is for now and for eternity. I love what the hymn writer said. He says this beautiful word, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. That's the hope that it's built on. And you see, Jesus Christ, His death on the cross, His burial and His resurrection is unchangeable. It never changes. The message never changes. So many religions today, they change to keep up with the times. We have to be more politically correct, so we have to change this thing. And, and then we have to appeal to this group, so we change this. Everything's changing. This book has not changed one bit. It hasn't. It's God's eternal Word, and it's true, every word of it. It's inspired. It's infallible. It's the wonderful Word of God. And we can praise Him uh, for that. And you know, when you get saved and you, and you accept Christ into your life, hell is then behind you and heaven is in front of you. And you're going forward. You're not going backwards. And that's the beautiful blessing of the hope that we have in Christ. It's a hope that leads to salvation. And we trust that if you're here today and you don't have that hope, you say, Dean, I don't have that hope. I'll tell you one thing. You've built your life on the sinking sand. But you don't have to keep it that way. You can say, forget about that house built on the sinking sand. I want to build my house on the solid rock of Christ. And that is a, when the winds blow and the storms come, nothing will blow that house over. That's the hope that we have in Christ. So that's the hope that leads to salvation. Secondly, we have the hope that leads to solace. Or comfort. When you hear about people that have died, that's when God's comfort is really needed. That's when people need to hear about a hope. You know, it's the saddest thing to do, and I'm sure all of us have done it one time or another, is go to a funeral for someone that doesn't know Christ. The preacher tries to put on the best case he can. I mean, like, Adel has given, had to give messages like that. And you try to be encouraging, and you preach the gospel, but... 
you can't give hope to anybody about that person because that person wasn't saved. They weren't a Christian. Now, they may have done good things. They had a wonderful story where they were born. You tell the whole story, the eulogy and all of that. And then, but what can you say? The person's now six feet underground. There's no more hope for them. And that's the thing about it. People say, well, they'll probably be in purgatory and they can kind of work their way into heaven. Guess what? Purgatory is not found in the Bible. It's not a biblical doctrine. Man has put that in because they feel, well, they've died, so they've got to have some kind of hope to think that maybe they can make it up there into heaven. They'll go to this resting place in purgatory until they can work their way up to heaven. No. Heaven or hell, it's our choice. We receive Christ, we go to heaven. We don't receive Him, we go to hell. There's no in-between. There's no gray area. It's either or. People say, you're so narrow-minded. But that's what Jesus Christ said. He said, I'm the way the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And that's the hope that we have is that we put our faith in Christ. He is who He said He is and He is going to take us to be with Him. And that's the comfort. But what do you say to someone who's grieving over the loss of a loved one? I mean, what do you, what do you tell them? What do you say to somebody that's lost everything in a, in a fire, for instance, or in a tornado or an earthquake and they've lost everything? The only thing that you can offer them is the hope of Jesus Christ. That's the only thing. Because you can lose anything else, but if you have that hope in Christ, you have it made. And all believers in Christ can have that comfort that though we do may lose a loved one or maybe we go through a difficult situation or lose a job or whatever, our hope is based on Christ. So when the circumstances are against us, we can still rejoice and we can have that joy because we have the Lord in our lives. And it's really special to know that right now while I'm speaking, the Lord could come. Do you know that? The rapture could come. You've heard the term the rapture. The snatching away of His people. And each one who's a believer is going to go up to be with the Lord. But who's not going to go up are those that don't yet know the Savior. And so that's why it's today so critical, so important to receive Him because He could come at any time. And it says, the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we who are alive and remain shall be joined up together with them in the clouds and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And then he ends that passage by saying, therefore, comfort one another with these words. That's why a Christian funeral, though it still has tears and though we still are sad that the person is, is gone from us for a short time, they're parted from us, they've gone to heaven, we still have sorrow but it's not the same as the world because it says in that passage, he says, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. We sorrow, but not like those who don't have hope. We will see each other again. That is the blessing of it all. It reminds me of a story that was told about this young man, Charlie. And he was talking to his father. His father was going to die. And he called in each one of his kids, each one of his sons and daughters, and he was saying how he's going to miss them and he's going to see them again in heaven. And he says, farewell. So long. And then he called in Charlie. It's a touching story. He called in Charlie and he said, Charlie, I love you so much. You know I love you. But Charlie, you haven't received Christ and I'm not going to see you in the future. So Charlie, I have to say goodbye to you. And I'm not going to see you again, Charlie. And you know what? That broke Charlie's heart. And he accepted Christ. He said, Dad, I'll see you in heaven. 
Isn't that a wonderful story? I mean, it's, it just came to my mind. I didn't prepare it, but it brought to my mind this story of this young man who said, Lord, I don't want to say goodbye to my dad. I just want to say so long. I want to say farewell till I see him in heaven. That's the hope that we have. And that's the comfort that we have in knowing the Lord. And you know, sometimes we get down. Sometimes we get discouraged. We're not happy all the time. And we need to be encouraged. And that's why when we gather together, we can encourage one another. We can build one another up. Some people say, well, if I don't go to church today, nobody will really miss me. Yes, they will. Because the Bible says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. But all the more as you see the day approaching, encourage one another and comfort one another. And that's exactly what He wants us to do. We are important to each other. We need each other. And when we have that hope in Christ, we can comfort each other when we're really down. And we can bring joy to each other. In that passage that I read earlier in Hebrews 19, it says that we have a hope in Christ that's like an anchor to the soul. And it's steadfast and sure and nothing can move us. You know, you can have this huge big ship and they bring it into the port and the ship stops. What do they do? Just let it sit there? No, it'll drift. It'll drift. They put the anchor down. And as soon as the anchor's down, it goes all the way down to the bottom and it fastens, that ship's not going anywhere. And when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and He's the Lord of your life and you're living for Him, that's a solid anchor that no matter what happens, left or right, storms or tragedies or difficulties, you're not going anywhere. You're not going to be moved. You're not going to be swayed by anything. Your anchor is in Jesus. And that's the best kind of anchor to have. It's the anchor in Christ. There's another hymn that says, We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure as the billows roll, fastened to a rock which cannot move, grounded, firm and deep in the Savior's love. That's the anchor that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, when the Lord Jesus Christ came into the world, He came to bring that tremendous comfort to people by the Holy Spirit. He came to bring hope to us to save us from our sin. And I thought about if you're if you're without Christ and you're here today, what it's like is you're in a pit. And you're in this pit. Think of yourself in this big pit. It's a huge pit. It's got, you know how those the big sides on it and everything. There's no way to get out of it. And the harder you try to get out of the pit, the more weary you become. You try to climb up, you slide down. That side didn't work. Then you go over and try this side. Then you try to say, I can't get out. And the more you, it sets into you that there, there's no hope of getting out, the more you just feel this paralysis. And then now you can't even climb. You can't do anything. You're just on the ground without hope. But praise God that Jesus Christ, when He came, He came right to the pit. He parachuted, as it were, if we could use that analogy. He parachuted right into the pit. And He says, I'm going to take you out. And He lifted us out of that pit. We could never have gotten out of it ourselves. We can't save ourselves. There's no hope for us. But Jesus Christ came and brought us the hope of glory, the eternal hope. And what a blessing that is to us. Ephesians 2, 12 and 13 says that at that time, you were without Christ. Think about this. If you're a Gentile especially, you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope. And without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were afar off 
have been brought near by the blood of Christ. I love that passage because it says before and after. There's always a before and after. You ever watch these things on TV? They show the person that lost weight. Before what they look like. And then they show after. Before and after. And that's the way it was before we're saved. I mean, there's a before and there's an after. I'd like to ask every Christian who wants to go back to the before part. Nobody, right? The after. And you know, once God saves you, He's got a great after for you. Because He doesn't just say you're going to stay there. He makes it better and better. And our after is going to be forever after with the Lord in heaven. And that's the joy of it. There's no sadness. There's no sorrow because we rejoice in the nearness of God to our lives no matter what may happen. But as I mentioned, in this world today, we're living through a lot of problems. And you know, we as Christians go through exactly the same things that the world goes through. We experience the same things. When Christ came, He didn't promise a worry-free life. He didn't promise a problem-free life. He didn't promise a pain-free life. And He didn't provide... Uh, provide for us. He didn't say that you're going to have an easy life. But he says, I'll be with you. I'll be the captain of your ship. I'll steer your ship now. And no matter what you go through, you can have hope because I'm in control of your life. That is the difference. And so we can rejoice that our hope is grounded in the Lord's love for us. So there's a hope that leads to salvation. And there's also a hope that leads to solace or to comfort. And then finally, there's a hope that leads to strength. Have you ever felt so weak that you just wanted to give up? You just felt so weak you couldn't take another step to go on. We've all been there. We've all done that. We can relate to it. Whether it's spiritually or physically or emotionally or mentally or any other way. We're just, we just can't move. We're just, we're just exhausted in some particular way. We have no strength. That is when the Lord says, my grace is sufficient for you. I think about Paul. I I would have been like Paul, but I would have probably not stopped praying after three times. He prayed three times that the Lord would take away the thorn of his flesh. And then it says the Lord came to him and said, my grace is sufficient for you. Now, what I would have probably said is, Lord, could we pray a little longer on this? Because I don't really like that answer. I'd like maybe could pray five times, six times, ten times. Could we just? No. But God gave him an answer that was better than his prayer request the way he asked it because if Paul had just had that thorn removed his ministry would not have been as effective to people he left the thorn in the flesh which made people think it was an eye problem he left it there to remind him about how he's weak and the Lord is strong because if he had taken it away Paul would say boy I feel so strong and so good and you can get proud and all of that but the Lord allows us to go through these difficulties and he is he is our hope He is our strength in the midst of it. And I thought about it, how sometimes we have needs and sometimes we're we're affected spiritually. Sometimes we're affected physically. Sometimes emotionally. Sometimes mentally. Sometimes financially. Sometimes materially. And sometimes socially. And those areas, those seven areas, like seven days of the week, pretty much covers a whole person's life. You can fit your life into one of those Seven categories at any particular time, a trial that you go through. But I thank God that in the midst of those times of our weakness, He gives us strength. He is our strength. The Apostle Paul told the Thessalonians, let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. I thought about helmet. Now, how many times, Greg, do you ever go off without your helmet? 
None, right? When you ride your motorcycle, and it's a Harley Davidson, so you can hear him coming. When he rides the Harley Davidson, which is a very nice vehicle, you know, he puts the helmet on to protect him. When a football player goes out to play football, they put on the helmet. Recently, Sammy Sosa came up to play baseball. He, had, he was ready to hit, and the pitcher threw the ball really hard, hit him on the helmet so hard that it cracked the earpiece that they have. They put a little earpiece on, and it cracked, and he fell to the ground. He was okay. But if he, hadn't, if he had not been wearing his helmet, he could have easily been dead. Wear the helmet. Also, how about our soldiers that are over fighting in the battle? And how about the reporters? They had to wear the helmets too because they could come under fire. Wear the helmet. You don't wear the helmet. Not only are you violating the law of the, of the army, but you're endangering yourself from injury. And yet, how many times do we go off in the morning and we forget to put on the helmet of hope? The helmet of our salvation. We forgot to put it on. And what does Satan do? He says, oh great, now I can get Dean. He's got the helmet off. And he knows where to aim. And he knows how to hit us too, real good. So you've got to put on the full armor of God. And one of them is the hope, the helmet of hope that helps us to make it through each and every day. But the key thing is, don't lose your hope. So many times we go through things, we might lose our job. You can lose your job, as sad and difficult as that is. It's happened to me. Been there and done that again. It's happened to you, I'm sure. If we had a show of hands, how many people at one time or in life lost their jobs? You can lose your job, don't lose your hope. It's so discouraging sometimes, but and you keep going because of the hope that you have in the Lord Jesus Christ. You can lose your money. Can you imagine these people that had their 401ks invested in their company and the stock of the company like Enron and all these things? And all of a sudden, one day they got a statement that they had, let's say, 50,000 in it, the next day it's gone? What happened to my money? All my hope was built on that. I needed that money. Gone. Gone. If your hope is in the money, you can lose it. You'll go down for the count. Don't lose your hope. You can lose your car and don't lose your hope. That happened to me one time. I had a new car. It wasn't even very old. It was a Toyota Corolla. Drove it to San Francisco and parked it where I normally do during the week. But during the week, there's lots of other cars there. There's an attendant there and everything. But I parked it there, and they stole my car. And I was devastated. I was just absolutely devastated. So discouraged. Lord, my beautiful car is gone. And I was so sad. And I came home, and I took the BART train into Walnut Creek. And if you know how far it is from Walnut Creek to my house, I walked that far. And all that way, I'm thinking, oh, Lord, that beautiful car, how could that happen to me? Woe is me. I'm thinking, oh, no, what's going to happen? All the time, the Lord is looking down at me and smiling and saying, you'll get your car back. I'm just going to test your faith a little bit on this one. And sure enough, about two weeks later, they found my car in San Francisco and there was nothing wrong with it. It was amazing. Some drug dealer or drug person with a Siri engine and everything, they found it in the car, had driven my car and I really believe an angel made him stop the car where they did and just left it in the street and so the police could come and tow it and, and give me back my car. But you can lose your car, but don't lose your hope. You can lose your family and that's the saddest thing if you lose your family, a wife or kids, you can lose your family. But don't lose your hope. Because your hope can't be lost if it's in Jesus. You have a solid hope. And then finally, you can lose your health. 
Sometimes people are like, they're so healthy and they, and they're, they don't feel anything and they go into the doctor and they do a test and they find out they have a terminal illness. But I felt so good. I, I'm so healthy. No, your time is up. That's why our hope needs to be based not on our health, but on Christ. Not on our job, our money, our car, any material things that can be lost, stolen, disintegrated, whatever. But we need to put our hope firmly in the Lord Jesus Christ. So just to conclude this morning, we've seen three kinds of hope, three different aspects of hope. We've seen the hope that leads to salvation. That through Christ, when you accept Him as your Lord and Savior, you build your life on Him, which is the solid ground, that if you know for sure that if you were to die today, that you would go to heaven. You can answer that question. So many people say, well, I think so. I hope so. I hope I'll go to heaven. No. The Bible says you can know with certainty. And you say, well, how can you know? How can you be so sure? Are you that proud? I'm not that proud. No, but the Bible says so. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And it's built on the solid truth of God's Word. And then we have the hope that leads to solace or comfort. You may be here today and I don't know what you're going through. You may be going through a situation that needs God's comfort. Don't lose your hope. Turn to the Lord. Trust in Him. He'll bring you through it each and every step. And then the hope that leads to strength. Just when we think that we want to just give up, give in, Just get out of the race and just sit on the sidelines. He says, don't give up your hope. To conclude this morning, I'd just like to read a story that really touched my heart about a pilot. And he was taking a flight from Portland, Maine to Boston a number of years ago. His name was Henry Dempsey. And he's flying the plane and all of a sudden he hears a strange noise from the back of the plane. So what does he do? He he gives the controls over to the co-pilot. says, you take over. I'm going to go back and check it out. So he goes back and all of a sudden the plane hits some, some air, air turbulence, some pockets of air. And it just threw him back to the back. And soon, in an instant, he knew what that noise was from. The door had not been properly latched when they, before they took off. So when he went back, he fell up against the door and the door went open and he was sucked out of the plane. Now talk about losing hope. What are you going to do? You're so many thousand feet up and you're sucked out of an airplane. What's going to happen to you? So the next thing you know, the co-pilot radios the tower. We need a special mayday here. We have a pilot down. We've got to search the ocean around where he might be. Please get a helicopter out there and, and see if you can find him. So then the pilot brings the... They get to the nearest airport and he flies in. And guess what they found? They found the pilot, Henry Dempsey, holding on for dear life with both hands to a ladder that was attached, the outdoor ladder of the plane, the outside ladder. He was holding on to that ladder with dear, to, for dear life for his life. And when the plane came down, it said it came down, it came down at 200 miles an hour from an elevation of 4,000 feet. And then it landed. It says his head was about 12 inches from the ground. He could have been killed at any of those times. But he comes down into a safe landing and it says the airport personnel rushed to him and they found him clinging, holding on to this ladder. It says it took them several minutes to pry open each finger in his hands. And I tell you this morning, I tell myself this morning, cling to Christ, cling to that hope so that they have to pry your fingers off. You won't let go no matter what happens. Christ is our hope. 
And we just trust today, if you don't know the Lord and you want to accept Him as your Savior and you've been thinking, I don't have hope. I don't have what you're talking about. I, I don't know what I would do. I'd be thrown out of the plane and I would be lost. I wouldn't have a hope to hold on to. And you want to receive Christ. As we pray this morning, ask the Lord to come into your life. Ask Him to take control. Talk to Adel or someone of the brothers. And if you want to make peace with God today, come and tell us so that you can receive Christ and you can have that same kind of hope. And if you're here today and you know the Lord and you're going through some pretty heavy trial and you say, Lord, I needed that message today. It really touched my heart. Thank you for the hope that I have in Jesus Christ. A hope that never fails, never ends. Give thanks to Him for that. Shall we close in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, we just thank You for the Word today. We thank You that it's so encouraging and it's so challenging at the same time. Lord, we pray for anyone here today that doesn't know You as personal Lord and Savior that today will be the day. We don't want to see people without hope, Lord. It's so sad because we don't know today might be the day of Your coming. You might come today and we don't want to see anyone left behind. Someone could die today, Lord, in this congregation. God forbid who doesn't know Christ. Today could be the day of reckoning and the day of judgment. And Lord, we just pray that they would receive You today. And we pray for us all as believers, Lord, that You will just remind us of the tremendous hope we have in You. That no matter what happens to us here on earth, we have a better place to go to. Heaven above. We're looking forward to it, Lord. And we know that You're looking forward to taking us there. And we look forward to it. And until then, Lord, please strengthen us with faith and hope put securely in you. We ask your blessing now and thank you in your precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen.